So as part of this series, Mark My Words, our sermon titles have been Words from Jesus. And so the sermon title this morning comes from chapter 6, Shake Off the Dust. I am not exactly a handy person. Not exactly. I've told you all before that I'm the guy that ends up in tears when I'm asked to put something together <laughs> from Target or Walmart. Now, if Lindsay purchases something that needs to be put together, she knows to give me some space. Let me work through it. <laughs> Let me take some time in prayer before I try it. I stand by my assertion, though, I've said this to some of you before, that some of those companies that put these things together, they need help writing their instruction manuals. In fact, I would do better at writing of the instruction manual than actually putting the thing together. Whoever does the Lego instruction books, now that person knows what they're doing. I can put a, a Lego set together. But trying to put together something from Target or Walmart is much more difficult for you. So it may not surprise you that I don't do a lot of handyman projects around our house, at least not successfully so. But I'm willing to try, but I'm also willing to call in a backup if I need it. Not too long ago, we were getting ready to put our kids to bed, and Lindsay and I were doing different things to help them get ready for bed. And I kind of got distracted, and as Lindsay was trying to tuck kids in, she found me in their bathroom, and I had torn out a large section of the sheetrock that was kind of mushy in their bathroom. And Lindsay came in, and she said, now, do you think this was the best time to start this project? <laughs> With a quick follow-up question, so what are you going to do now? I got the drywall out with no problem, but I did know enough to call in for backup after that. I wrote this sermon on Wednesday of this week, and then on Thursday, I got a call from the water company, the dreaded call from the water company saying, did you know that your usage is up quite a bit recently? No, I, I had no idea. You used 100 units last month and 700 units this month. I went back home on Thursday and found that our yard was not just wet from all the rain that we've been having, but from a water main leak. I bet some of you have had this same issue in your yards before. So there I was digging in my yard trying to find the leak on the water main, which with a neighbor's help, I was able to find. But again, I knew when to call the professional in. The professionals were able to come in and quickly, very quickly, amazingly so, get the water back up and running for us. In the past, when homeowners wanted to try a new skill at their house, what did they do? Well, a lot of times, they might go to a bookstore or to the library and find themselves a book, a how-to book. You've heard of how-to books, right? How to tile a bathroom, how to build a bookcase, how to fix a water main break in your front yard. 
Or some of these books used to be titled, I don't know if these still come out, but Plumbing for Dummies or Electrical Repair for Dummies, which I think is an apt title, Electrical Repair for Dummies. But now what do people do? Now you don't go to a bookstore or to the library for a how-to book. Instead, where do you go when you're trying to figure out how to do something? YouTube. You know. You go to YouTube. And you look up a how-to video there. Not too long ago, I found myself under a sink with a YouTube video playing on my phone while I was trying to fix an issue. If you're wondering, the internet connection under the bathroom sink is not quite as good. Because I was curious about this, I went to YouTube and typed in how to, to see what would come up next, to see what suggestions would pull up next. Here's the automated list from YouTube, which I'm guessing means these must be pretty popular searches. If you type in how to, some of the next things you might find are how to tie a tie, how to solve a Rubik's Cube, how to make slime, how to crochet, and how to use chopsticks. Those were some of the top responses. In our study of Mark's gospel, we've been calling the sermon series, Mark My Words. We've been taking a closer look at Jesus' words in Mark's gospel. And Jesus' words from today's passage might provide for us something of a how-to. In Mark's gospel, Jesus' notoriety is gaining steam fast. The irony to this, as Mark tells us in this passage, which immediately precedes ours for today, is that Jesus was least well-received in his hometown. That's the passage that precedes the one we read for today. You may even recall this verse from the chapter, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. So Jesus' popularity is gaining steam even in spite of what's happened at his hometown in the passage before ours for today. The word of Jesus is spreading quickly. Already in Mark's gospel, we've been told 13 different times about the crowds that were gathering around Jesus. And we can picture this, I think. The word gets out about Jesus' new teaching and his miracles. And not unlike a celebrity of today, a crowd is gathering around him. Crowds are gathering around Jesus. But the picture of this can disorient us, I think. Because in Mark's gospel, that's not really how Jesus' mission works. N.T. Wright has called Mark the breathless gospel, the breathless gospel. And we've seen this. Jesus is constantly on the move, going from town to town, place to place. We've mentioned several times already just how many times the gospel of Mark uses the word immediately. Mark keeps Jesus on the move. And his disciples and the crowd are just trying to keep up. But now we've come to chapter 6, and a shift is happening. Verse 6 tells us that Jesus is moving among the villages, teaching, but then he stopped. 
Jesus calls the 12 disciples together and he sends them out. He begins to send them out two by two. And we see similar accounts of this in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke as well. Some translations call this the mission of the 12. And I think that this passage might serve as something of a how-to for us. How do we, like the disciples in this passage, join Christ's mission? How are we sent out? So this morning, I want us to do something a little bit different. I want us to actually break down a portion of this passage together. We're going to break it down into three steps in this how-to of what it means to be called as one of Christ's disciples. And so step one, take nothing for the journey except a staff, sandals, and a tunic. Don't take any food, any money, or a change of clothes. Jesus' first instructions here in this passage are probably an allusion to the Exodus story in the Old Testament. When the Israelites are preparing to flee Egypt, they are instructed to eat the Passover with their tunic tucked in, with sandals on their feet and a staff in their hand. In other words, they are instructed to eat in a hurry, ready to run, ready to flee, ready to make their escape from Pharaoh's army. These first instructions from Jesus are an allusion to that passage about the disciples' need to be ready. This first step emphasizes that there is an urgency to Christ's mission. There is no time to waste. And nothing should get in their way. This first step, however, also emphasizes that the disciples are not going out with their own agenda. They're not going out with their own agenda, and they're not even really going out with their own stuff. They aren't on their own mission. They are on God's mission and reliant on God's provision. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, sandals, and a tunic. That's step one. Step two in this passage is, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. When my grandmother passed, my freshman year in college, my grandfather was living a lot, around a lot of his family members. And my grandmother was the cook of their home. She was the chef. And so my grandfather started getting a lot of dinner invitations after my grandmother passed. His children and other family members would invite him over for dinner almost every night for a little while. But before he accepted a dinner invitation, he would always ask one question. What are you having? Most of the time, he had multiple options, so he would ask first, what are you having, before he chose which dinner invitation to accept. We see something different here in Mark's gospel. Jesus tells the disciples to accept whatever is provided. In other words, the disciples 
are going to be reliant on the hospitality of others for their shelter and for their food. The disciples were not to shop around for the best accommodations or menu. Instead, they were to accept whatever hospitality was offered to them, whatever sleeping arrangements were offered, whatever the food was like. Stay in that place, Jesus says. William Plaker, who's one of my favorite commentators, writes this. The disciples should not scout around for a fancier place or a house with something better for dinner, but stay in the first house where they are welcomed. This is the proper response to hospitality. As Jesus calls his disciples, step one is take nothing for the journey except a staff, sandals, and a tunic. Step two, wherever you enter house, stay there until you leave the place. And then step three, if any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Now this step needs a little explanation. It sounds a bit passive aggressive, doesn't it? Shake off the dust as a testimony against them. You've probably heard this before, but in the ancient Middle Eastern culture, the first responsibility of a gracious host was to make sure your guests' feet were washed. Your first responsibility as a host was to make sure that your guests' feet were washed as they entered your home. Removing the dust and the dirt that surely accumulated on a traveler's journey through their sandy climate. You should have seen the amount of dirt and mud gathered on my shoes as I dug in the yard looking for that water main leak. But in Jesus' day, the dust and dirt of your feet was a daily reality. Shaking off the dust of your feet might actually indicate a host's own judgment against them. The host's own judgment against them because it means that they failed to live up to the customs and standards of hospitality. If you can shake off the dust of your feet, it means that they haven't washed your feet as you've entered. But this last step also, I think, indicates something else as well. I think it shows us that the disciples were also supposed to be ready to move on when needed. They weren't to let one household's lack of receptiveness stop them from their mission. They were supposed to keep moving. When we read Jesus' word, words in Mark's gospel, we see this three-step how-to that might actually provide us some instruction as well in terms of what does it mean to be Christ's disciples? How do we join God's mission as modern day disciples and followers? And so here again is a three-step how-to. Step one, take nothing for the journey except a staff, sandals, and a tunic. In other words, don't go in with your own agenda. When you join God's mission, you have to leave your own stuff behind. Step two, wherever you enter house, stay there until you leave the place. 
In other words, receive what is in front of you. Whatever place, whatever mission is offered to you is good enough and worthy enough. You don't have to go shopping for a better or more admirable mission. Take advantage of the ministry that's right in front of you. And then step three. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. In other words, don't let one failure or one rejection convince you into thinking that your mission has failed. Keep moving. Stay ready. Be willing to keep moving towards what is to come, to whatever happens next, to whatever place God sends you next. But as we read Jesus' words and this three-step how-to of what it means to follow Christ as modern-day disciples, this is the main point, I think. This is what I hear, want you to hear more than anything else today. You are being sent. You are being sent. Just like in Mark's gospel, Jesus stays on the move and then he sends the disciples out. You are being sent out too. You can't just sit back and wait for God's mission to come to you, for the crowds to come to you. You have to go out. You have to make the brave and bold decision to go out. You have to make the choice to be a part of the work that God is doing in the world. The disciples, remember, went from house to house and they went from village to village. And I think this is a pretty good reminder for us as a church as well. We can't just sit back and wait for folks to enter our doors, for people to come to us. We are being sent out. We need to meet them where they are. We need to go to their doors. It's easy enough to offer hospitality to those who find us, but it's a much more difficult endeavor to rely on the hospitality of others when we pursue God's mission. That may mean experiencing some rejection. That may mean experiencing some failure. But that shouldn't stop us from continuing to move on and to continue to seek God's mission. As a church, that means that we have to continue to explore what is our mission in the community? How is God working in our neighborhood? And how can we join in that work? How can we show up at people's literal or metaphorical doors with the good news? We have to keep asking the question, how are we being sent? How are we being sent? Let's pray. Gracious and trusting God, thank you for entrusting us with your mission. Thank you for sending us. God, we thank you that you call us as your own disciples, just as you called those first disciples, and that you send us just as you sent them. 
God, we want to join your mission even when it's uncomfortable, even when our reception is not a given. We want to keep moving with your spirit as your presence continues to infuse this world with the good news of your love for us. And so we pray these things as we prepare to receive the gifts of bread and cup, as we prepare to again receive the good gifts of your grace. Having received this meal, may we be fed and full, and may we be ready to share your gifts of grace with this world. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen.